0: I can hardly believe it, but today is the one-year anniversary of The Breakdown. Thank all of you for your support. Thank you for listening. We've had tens of millions of downloads over this first year. Uh, We've had listeners from over 150 countries. We've had dozens of successful action steps, and we continue to grow. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for spreading it. Thank you for taking those action steps. Today, I want to talk to you about two things. I want to talk to you about what I think is almost a slow form of genocide happening at America's jails and prisons, and I also want to talk to you about what's going on with the homelessness crisis in the middle of this pandemic. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The Breakdown. The Breakdown. the breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. Yesterday, I had a long conversation with a man who is currently incarcerated at Rikers Correctional Facility in New York. And what he described for me only confirmed every other firsthand description that I've already seen of the deplorable conditions there. The men there don't have soap. I don't mean special soap. I mean, they don't have soap at all. And even though we learned that incarcerated men are making hand sanitizer in New York. They don't have any of that hand sanitizer for the incarcerated men at Rikers. They are sleeping within feet of one another. The unit that this man stays on and other units have not been cleaned or sanitized in weeks. And the man I spoke with said that the officers, many that he has a decent relationship with, actually, the officers there openly told him that they're afraid to clean it. He went on to tell me that even most of the guards and officers are not wearing masks or gloves. And of course, not a single incarcerated person has been given any such thing. At a time where the CDC and virtually every doctor in the nation has demanded that we practice social distancing, these men simply cannot do any such thing where they are. And as a result, Rikers currently, and I need you to get this, Rikers currently has the highest rate of infection of any place in the world. It's growing at a pace 10 times that of New York and 75 times faster than that of the United States. It's growing faster than the worst hit cities in Italy or China. If the U.S. is now the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic, and New York is the core of that epicenter, then Rikers Correctional Facility is ground zero. And don't tell me that bullshit about if you do the crime, you do the time. Because not a single person at Rikers has even been given the death penalty. They don't have the death penalty in New York. And the man I spoke with, like most men at Rikers, has not even gone to court yet He hasn't been found guilty of anything. What about his presumption of innocence? In fact, he can't even go to court because the courts are closed. He's just stuck there like a sitting duck, damn near bound to get the coronavirus any day now. And he was afraid. The infirmary and infectious disease unit at Rikers is completely overwhelmed and far past capacity. The virus is spreading just as rapidly among the staff and now it's spreading like wildfire in other jails and prisons all over the country. It's spreading among police departments. Over 1,200 NYPD cops now have it and an astounding 5,600 NYPD cops are currently out sick. At this point, the argument could be made that the NYPD, alongside the guards and officers at Rikers, that they are among the primary people spreading it. And here's why. Their very methods of literally being hands-on is causing the infection to spread. We have no idea how many people these officers have spread the virus to. But the difference is this. Once the officers contract it, they can go home. They can go to the doctor or hospital of their choice. They can practice social distancing. They can be quarantined until they get well. But at Rikers or at jails and prisons around the country, no such privilege exists. People are literally stuck in unsafe, unsanitary conditions where social distancing is not even possible. They could simply send a crime scene cleaning company to Rikers with hazmat suits in there to clean the whole place. Start there. Test every single person at Rikers, from the staff to those who are incarcerated, and then quarantine everybody who tests positive. Then isolate every person who doesn't have the virus from every person who does. And begin releasing everybody from Rikers can be released unless it's abundantly clear that they're going to be some active danger to society. If they have to be on supervised release, release so be it. But we have to get these populations smaller. The incarcerated populations have to go down. But here's what I know unless more drastic measures are taken at our nation's jails and prisons, It's going to cost countless people their lives. And it's already started. People are already dying in jails and prisons. Police officers and staff members are already dying from the coronavirus. And if drastic measures are ignored, that's what genocide is. Do you understand that? When a nation knows the steps that can be taken to save a class of people, but deliberately refuses to take those steps, causing their sickness and their death, that's genocide. Listen, I have a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today is also Woman Crush Wednesday. We have an update there as well. and Then I'll be back to close about a story on how homelessness intersects with the coronavirus. I'll be right back. Listen, today's episode is sponsored by one of my favorite companies. It's Helix and Helix sleep built a sleep quiz. I took the sleep quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete and they use the answers from your sleep quiz to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Listen, in this crazy, crazy time, there was ever something that you needed, it's good rest. I need you to get good rest. Good rest helps your body, helps your mind, helps your soul, and you need it during this crazy, crazy time. And if you go right now to helixsleep.com slash breakdown, you can take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. My wife and I both love it. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. And they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But I know you will. Many listeners of The Breakdown have already got their Helix mattress. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off of all mattresses for our listeners at helixsleep.com breakdown. That's Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com breakdown for up to $200 off. Check it out.
1: This is Willis Polk, and I'm senior producer for the North Star. And I'm very excited to continue our Women Crush Wednesday series, where we highlight amazing women of color who are using activism to make the world a better place. This week's inspiration is LGBTQ and criminal justice activist, Sahara Green. Sahara, who is a transgender woman, is both a survivor of sexual abuse and the criminal justice system in Georgia. After suffering humiliation at the hands of her prison guards, failed protection from the state's prison system, and sexual assault by a fellow inmate while in protective custody, Sahara fought back and sued the state of Georgia. She has since become a fierce leader in the transgender and gender non-conforming community in Georgia, as well as a tireless advocate for incarcerated people who are LGBTQ and HIV positive. We salute Zahara for everything she's done for LGBTQ people going through the criminal justice system and those in her community. To learn more about Zahara and why we're crushing on her and her work, be sure to check out at the North Star Media on Instagram. And now, back to the breakdown. Think about this for a second.
0: How can you stay home, which is kind of what we hear everybody saying. How can you stay home and save lives When you don't have a home, here's what we know. The coronavirus pandemic has thrown our country's longstanding, shameful homelessness crisis into stark relief. On any given night in the United States, more than 500,000 people who don't have a home to sleep in are out on the street or in shelters. And that's according to federal government data. Homeless people are among the single most vulnerable people to COVID-19 because many of them already have respiratory infections and weakened immune systems from the harsh living conditions that they're in. And if you've never done any homeless advocacy, if you've never worked with homeless men, women and children, it is so hard to simply stay healthy. They are also more likely to to be vectors that are spreading the virus, and to occupy much-needed hospital beds for the very same reason. Fortunately, public health experts agree on a solution that is readily available. This is the best way to grant much-needed stability to people experiencing homelessness, especially during times of crisis. It's going to sound simple. <laughs> the most Obvious solution is to provide homeless people with housing. And while neighborhoods from Portland to New Orleans have been doing just this, turning unused hotels into places for people to isolate and recover, elected officials elsewhere have been basically sticking their head in the sand. And unless they change course immediately, these officials are going to have blood on their hands For all the people they failed to protect. A new report was published on Tuesday by Data for Progress and the Justice Collaborative, two groups that I love and respect so much. And it contains polling that shows overwhelming bipartisan support for common sense solutions to protect vulnerable people who are experiencing homelessness. Let me give you some of the polling data 81% of voters including 79% of Republicans, support measures for the government to purchase or take control of unoccupied buildings and houses and use them to provide temporary housing for the homeless. 74% of voters, including 75% of Republicans, support a temporary ban on law enforcement clearing out homeless encampments for the duration of the coronavirus emergency. And 52% of voters, including 51% of Republicans, support a moratorium on enforcing laws that prohibit unhoused people from sleeping outside or in their vehicles. And 71% of voters, including 73% of Republicans, support a temporary ban on towing vehicles in which people are living. Give people their space. It's obvious. And here's the thing. Uh, A professor, uh, Leo Beletsky at Northeastern University School of Law, said this. Homelessness was already a humanitarian crisis in the United States before the pandemic hit. But he went on to say rapid, the rapid advent of COVID-19 threatens to transform this crisis into a veritable public health disaster. And I agree. He went on to say, we already know what programs and policies can prevent this. The only question is whether we'll do what's needed to protect our unhoused neighbors during these unprecedented times. In some ways, I think what's happening is everybody is in a, you know, save yourself type of mode. And what I need you to understand is that our future, our destiny, our health, our well-being is directly tied to the health and well-being of the incarcerated. Because what's happening, you say, well, shit, I'm I'm not in jail. I'm not in prison. But What you need to understand is those guards and those staffers who live in your neighborhood, who shop at your grocery stores and come in and out of those facilities and then go shop and go get gas and go everywhere else that people are going, They could infect you. You might say, well, hell, I'm not homeless right now. Why should I care about this when I have so much to care about? It's because here's the deal we don't care for our homeless sisters and brothers. If we don't care for homeless families and others who are just struggling to be housed in a global pandemic, in an economic depression, if you don't care about their well being, their sickness, Will spread to you. Listen, I would rather you just care because you have a big heart. But if right now you're finding it hard to have a heart, I need you to understand that if even if you just care for your own well being, that it matters. And many neighborhoods across the country are already starting to get this right and they're doing exactly what's needed with nationwide efforts to free up shelter space at Recreational centers and convention centers and even libraries. However, as these facilities get more and more crowded, it's going to become harder and harder to maintain the social distancing and the sanitary conditions that are necessary to spread, uh, necessary to control rather the spread of the coronavirus. Here's what I know. And here's a stronger solution that started to gain traction we can provide temporary housing in hotels, which provide a better setting for social distancing, quarantining, provide a better setting for isolation, a better setting for overall hygiene and other social services. And many hotels are willingly offering up their unoccupied rooms. But elsewhere, there appears to be much less cooperation. In some California counties and. You know, for many of you who don't live in California, California can feel sometimes like another country because it's so far away. But they often struggle with homelessness primarily because housing is outrageous there. But officials have raised the the possibility of taking over hotels to provide housing for those in need. The new polling suggests that this would actually be a widely supported measure Conservatives and liberals alike say, listen, if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. San Diego County, for example, has already secured more than 1,300 rooms at more than 10 different hotels to quarantine people who are symptomatic. That's according to uh, County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher, who is spearheading the effort. And I'm proud of what Nathan Fletcher is doing. Food and janitorial services are also being paid for and public health nurses have been made available. I'm proud of what they're doing in San Diego County. In San Mateo and and Monterey counties in California, coronavirus patients who are not sick enough to need hospital care but are contagious, they're also being quarantined in hotels. And Governor Gavin Newsom said Tuesday that this is what he hopes can happen in counties around the state. Some of those quarantined in the hotels are among the 26 people who tested positive for the coronavirus aboard the Grand Princess cruise ship that was docked at the port of Oakland. And Gavin Newsom went on to say that the hotels are 100% secure and they're 100% segregated from the general public. The hotels are right now completely empty of other guests. Workers and medical personnel working at the site's They're wearing protective gear to prevent themselves from catching the virus. California, in some ways better than my home state of New York, is doing a really good job at figuring out how to quarantine people. In Sacramento, a task force of city and county officials were planning to meet early this week to discuss the governor's instructions to begin converting hotels and motels into temporary shelters. And Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg, a good guy, who chairs Newsom's Homelessness Task Force, said the occasion illustrates the importance of a statewide mandate requiring cities to meet aggressive goals to house the homelessness, house the homeless, rather, and he even said, listen, if your businesses are not going to help, you might have to face court action. And I get it. Steinberg said something smart. He said, Everybody needs to be indoors right now. And he went on to say, if we can use this terrible crisis to take the next steps to find enough beds, enough shelter navigation centers, enough permanent supportive housing to dramatically reduce the number of people on our streets, he said, then that would be a silver lining of this difficult moment. In Portland, the boutique hotel, the the Jupiter Hotel, which is a great place, it's going to become a shelter for unhoused people at high risk of dying if they contract covid-19 and under a city and state plan in the works in new orleans people experiencing homelessness will be housed for the next 30 days at the hilton garden inn which is in the central business district there this is a quote hotel rooms are really the only option that allows them to isolate individually and allows them private bathrooms with which to maintain sanitary conditions. That was from Martha Kegel, who's the director of Unity of Greater New Orleans, a great organization. And she went on to say, how do you stay at home? Listen, how do you stay at home if you don't have a home? And the rooms there are being paid for using a combination of federal, state, local, and nonprofit funding. And Donald Trump's national emergency declaration on March 13th also granted uh, FEMA administrators regionally the authority to approve requests for what they call non-congregate sheltering, basically hotel rooms where people aren't congregated closer together but can have some space and get well. In Riverside, California, county officials have already identified several motels and hotels with available units. The first death of a New Yorker experiencing homelessness has already prompted some pretty good action from local government officials. The city has lined up 500 rooms and four hotels, though only two facilities are being used as of last week, and the city has way more homeless people than the 500 rooms they've made available. And here's what we know, particularly in New York, is that the surge of COVID-19 patients has swamped medical workers at the city's 11 public hospitals, and we need space for people to be housed. And if they're not housed in hotel rooms, they're going to spread this virus in shelters and on the streets. And here's the thing. If you think about all of these cities, doing their honest best to fight back against the problem and then compare that up against what Las Vegas does, one of the hotel capitals of the world where they have unhoused people sleeping on concrete in parking lots on the Las Vegas Strip where they just spray-painted rectangles for people to stay within while tens of thousands of hotel rooms Remain unoccupied. It's gross. And the new recent polling that was done, again, by uh, uh, Data for Progress and the Justice Collaborative, confirms that every city, county, and state in the nation needs to be exploring options for freeing up empty hotel rooms for the unhoused to stay in rather than resorting to inhumane and grossly unpopular alternatives like what we see happening in Las Vegas. Open up your hotels. We need, listen, we need local elected officials in your city, all across the country, to step up and adopt these same common sense, bipartisan supported measures that are going to save lives now and in the future. This is how we're going to flatten the curve. Do you hear me? In the recent polling shows that doing this is popular among Democrats and Republicans. There's simply no excuse not to do this, especially with so many vulnerable lives of people at stake. And as the manager of the Jupiter Hotel in Portland said, it's really a no brainer. Listen, the action step for today is so simple. I need you to reach out to your city council people, to your mayor, to your local elected officials, and ask them if they are already doing what's being done all over the country to house the unhoused people, to house the homeless in hotels that are available. Ask them if they're doing it. Tell them. That new polling shows that 75% of Democrats and Republicans want these types of actions to happen. And ask them why, if it's not already happening, ask them why not. Put some pressure on them. We need you to call your local elected officials. and Even call, call local hotels. Call them. Just look them up. The hotels that you know are close to your house, give them a call and ask them. Are you housing the homeless? And when you get an answer, good or bad, yes or no, email me at Sean at com. All right, I've got to run, love and appreciate each of you. Thank you so much to our senior producer Willis, to our podcast director, Lysandra, who is also fighting back a flu herself um, we're We're thinking and praying for you, Lysandra also. Uh, to to Micah, to Amiri, and so many others who work hard on this and every episode. Take care everybody.
1: Break it down.